I made it. Okay, I have a letter for you, sir. Oh, a letter for me? Yeah, it's from 1942. Oh, that was a long time ago. I, I, I was just a small child in Georgia. Well, it's written to you, and I work for FedEx, so here you okay. go. All right. You open it up and read it. Oh, I got oh, I gotta read it. It sounds like you're putting a lot of the onus on me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you it's know called- what? It seems. It seems. Oh my gosh. This is highly embarrassing, but I have forgotten my reading glasses and I just cannot seem to read without them. So I'm going to have to give the letter back to you and ask you to read it. Oh, what do you think about that? By the way, uh, just uh, freeze uh, for those listening at home. That in improv is called a gift. Uh, You're supposed to be uh, with your seed partner. Very generous and sort of set them up. uh, Yeah. Well, you know what else? All those racist institutions were shut down during the pandemic. So there is no more improv, Kevin. So there are new rules. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yes. And they got canceled. Yeah. Uh, well, if there's no more improv, <laughs> even though I don't really consider it improv, uh, I guess we got to skip the elevator pitch and go to the theme. Welcome back to the Cable Boys, the internet's only podcast about movies. That's right, Justin. We are just three spring chickens uh, who uh, like to talk about movies that we watched that were inappropriate for one reason or another. Like 1989's time travel adventure film, Back to the Future Part 2. Indeed. And we are so fortunate, so pleased to be joined by friend of the pod actor improviser writer uh fellow stash grower um uh state champion corn husker uh cross country expert that's right ladies and gentlemen it's matt moore that is by far the most generous introduction that I have received uh, <laughs> throughout the pandemic, certainly. Uh, thank you. This is very nice, very lovely to be to be here. Thank you for asking me. Uh, I'm, I'm a, like I said, friend of the pod, so this is fun. <laughs> thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for bringing uh, those toned, muscular legs uh, that mm. propelled you under five minutes in high school. Uh, to complete the mile oh. in the great state of Nebraska. Oh my, absolutely! <laughs> you did an under five minute mile. Oh, I read. Wow. Uh, yeah, I was. I was a a sub a sub four twenty miler in college. Wow. Oh my goodness. I I was I was a dom. Uh, I I ran a nine minute mile. Uh, uh, <laughs> subs and doms do not get along on the cr- cross country field. Oh man, damn. Yeah. Uh, uh, as cool as it sounds to run as fast as I did, when you get to college, you find out that everyone there is the best that 
their region has ever produced. And so despite being a very good miler, uh, I got to college and I was such a scrub that it was no longer fun. So, you know, we, yeah. <laughs> we all pay our dues. Did you I ever, had... did you ever suffer the, uh, funny legs? <laughs> funny legs, you know, like, 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 a, the oh, that's, like that's marathons. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're you're talking about the videos of people yeah, where they're like they, right yeah. at the end. I've always wanted to sign up for the LA Marathon and start the race like that. As soon as they hit the gun, <laughs> I'm just like <laughs> so have two guys carry you the entire 26 miles. Yeah. Uh, Matt Moore, uh, we're we're so glad that you joined us. Uh, you're a dear dear friend of all of us. Tell us why you chose. Back to the Future 2 as a movie that you saw at an inappropriate time in your youth. Please, please, let, let our audience in. Uh, absolutely. When, you, when I was poised with the question, what film would it be? There was the obvious choice in my brain initially, which is Total Recall, which is a movie that I saw too early and it, it wrecked me. Um, so much so that I still don't like talking about it or thinking about it. And so I initially was like, I guess I could watch that again. And I thought, I don't want to. Mm -hmm. But then I thought more about sort of the question of what movie like confused you or really touched you in a way that maybe like a scary movie doesn't. And for me, it is 100% Back to the Future 2. I remember... Uh, so, so this franchise is a very big part of my life. I believe that the mm -hmm. first film might be the first non-Christian secular film <laughs> I have ever seen in my life. Uh, I remember seeing it. My dad definitely ripped a bootleg of the original Back to the Future, and we had it at home. And I remember being, I was about, probably it would have been, the VHS came out in 1986 in May, so I was four years old. So right around then is when I remember seeing the first movie. Big part of my life. Uh, I, I think Back to the Future, the first one, might be a perfect movie. And mm -hmm. so it means a lot to me in that mm -hmm. way. So when the second movie was being advertised, it was such a big deal for me mm -hmm. personally because mm -hmm. this, is the this is the franchise. This is it. This is the thing I love. I love the first movie. It was such an impact in my life. I have four older siblings, and I had a brother who was very cool in 1989. And so I wanted to emulate him. I wanted to emulate Michael J. Fox, all of these things. So when this movie came out and the time travel elements didn't make sense to me as a seven-year-old, <laughs> it kind of had a like a very strange, how do you take this movie franchise that you absolutely love more than anything, and then you have to be a little bit critical about it? And that was something that stuck with me my entire childhood. And I remember being on my school bus, probably when in 1989, after seeing this movie in the theaters, and telling my best friend, this movie kind of doesn't work. And even thinking that as a little kid, because... I had seen um, another time travel feature film by the name of Flight of the Navigator in the mm -hmm. 80s, which mm -hmm. poses the, if you travel to the future, you no longer exist in the timeline when you get there. You're essentially a missing person. And so when you get to the future, you don't exist there. And so even as a seven-year-old, I remember going, well, wait a minute, 
if Marty and Doc and Jennifer travel to 2015, they would not see themselves because they would have been missing a missing person from 1985 until 2015. So what they did in this movie is they've traveled to another dimension. And as a seven-year-old, it melted my brain and it just, it wrecked me for such a long time. But that being said, I still love this movie and it's hard to watching it for this podcast was the first time I think I have ever watched it with a critical eye and not Mm -hmm. just been like, Hey, it's my movie. I'm going to watch it because I like it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, first of all, I have never heard a better euphemism uh, for a fart than uh, my dad ripped a bootleg. <laughs> uh, waited a long time to say that. Uh, in my mind, it's worth it. Uh, but yeah, like not not only not only like uh, at seven, uh, there are so many things there or rather uh, there are a few things that you've latched onto at that point to define your personality. And if that is your favorite movie, the, the pressure that you must have felt to, uh, to basically say that a part of yourself didn't make complete sense. It didn't yeah. like pay off that, that had to be a conundrum. Yeah, certainly it was. And also because of the success of the first film, the marketing and advertising that went into, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, grew up very rural and we only had three channels and there was nothing else to do. So when I got the opportunity to watch TV, when I was a kid, it was such a big deal. And to be just dumped on with all of this, the like back to the future too, it's going to be in the future. It was such a big deal at the time Mm -hmm. that when I find like the hype to see this movie for me, it's probably the first movie I was ever stoked. I can remember being Mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, I have to see this. I saw that. I have to see the future. I have to see it. I have to see Marty again. And then to go into it and then experience that sort of self-doubt or just like, wait a minute, movies cannot make sense. Like they can just, huh. And yeah. it, it kind of, it, it was a real psychological turn in my head that took a long time to kind of sort itself out. What's yeah. f- I remember watching the exact same thing. I think we were all super stoked for this movie to come out oh, as kids. Yeah. But I remember the set, like rewatching it today. I was or yesterday. I was like, "Oh shit!" I had like this like reemergence of a feeling of like of the disappointment I felt when I first saw the movie. I'm just like, I don't like this as much as Back to the Future. And but I think it's you're right. It's because we were kids and we're like, "What the fuck is going on?" Like half mm. the movie's in the future, and then it's just we're in the back. You know, it's the first movie again, essentially. But I would say, watching it this time, I was like, this is a really good movie. Like, a really good time travel movie, I thought. Like, the yeah. logic works out. Like, it actually does make sense. Uh, it just doesn't make sense for a kid. And it doesn't necessarily uh, deliver on the promise that the first movie does and the third movie does, which is like, this first movie just takes place in the past. And the yeah. third movie just takes place in the, the past. The second one is doing a lot. <laughs> There's a lot going on. There's like timelines and which makes it all better if you watch all three like in a row like now that we have the the luxury of being able to do that it's all one cohesive like amazing movie did you watch the link that kevin had sent no or or the so kevin had sent one that somebody spliced the three movies together oh so the first one just ends and then and the second one just and it works so well and they scrubbed jar jar 
The scrub Jar Jar. He's not yeah. in it. Han Solo uh, he, doesn't he doesn't walk on uh, Jabba's tail, which I think yeah, no, yeah. really no. takes away. I think that was a really special moment in the film. By the way, yeah. just right off the bat, props to Zemeckis and Bob Gale of not fucking with it. Now that we've, like, yeah, all these guys have gone back and fucking just completely ruined their old movies, that these guys were like, nah, we fucking kind of nailed it. Also, you can't ever redo it while we're alive. You're like, yeah. they're so brilliant. Like, you know, yeah. George Lucas couldn't be ruining his movies more. And these guys are just like, no, no, it's fine. I think yeah. it was also it was also their their first thing besides besides romancing the stone. Uh, mm -hmm. They had sort of toiled away like they they were taken under uh steven spielberg's wing apparently by just barging into his office like just mm -hmm. past the secretary just said like fuck off bitch uh watch this movie <laughs> like <laughs> uh that that's the power of a, a uc school of cinema television uh education mm -hmm. but yeah they they barged in showed him the movie he was just like this is amazing and started developing stuff but none of uh none of their ideas were really that great in fact back to the future um, got turned down by every studio and it, it only got made after romancing the stone was a hit they mm -hmm. had like made four flops in a row mm -hmm. and so i think when they when they finally got something that like that hit and worked they were just like put it in a museum we don't need to touch <laughs> this ever again i was also thinking about how weird these this franchise is as why do us as kids love it like it's not about kids, you know, it's not like the Goonies yeah. or anything like that, or like Star Wars, or there's no like, it's about a teenage kid and an old man like running <laughs> running around. Yeah. And well, also made it, me... Because it has energy, I mean, it has a fucking great soundtrack. Yeah. So like, right, so both movies, like right off the bat, like the first one, you immediately want to be Marty McFly. Yeah. Like he's, he's plugging a guitar into an amp bigger than your house. He's uh, completely reckless and skateboarding with cars and manure trucks and you know like Huey Lewis and the news is playing it's like you immediately want to be this guy so it's like all right I'll just do whatever you know like I'm I'm fully in you know that is sort of to Justin's point of like it's not really for kids uh just because <laughs> yeah. like the beginning is just like every every fucking seven-year-old who's the coolest guy in the world Huey Lewis uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but the there was a time but there was a time when kids wanted to be older yeah I think I, I think I mean, kids were like very like no now it's like adults want to be kids uh kids wanted to be like grown-ups and stuff and like I I I, I remember wanting to be these guys when i was like i think i think this movie was a i was 11 part two yeah. when it came out not one well, geez i'm not 50 but uh <laughs> but you know and i still have a very visceral reaction when i watch back the future 2 when they land in the future and they're on that clear soundstage set mm -hmm. and i just remember as a kid being like here it is i'm going to see the fucking future you know, like you felt it. You're like, I think they, I think they know what's going to happen. I think they went to the future to film this. I think they went to the future to film this. <laughs> 89, well, by the way, great year for pictures. Well, the thing I, I always love about future pictures is how the, especially when we pass it in real life is, or the timeline is like how the future never looks like that. What it is like 2015 did not really look like this movie, but there are certain aspects of it that kind of did, mm -hmm. you know, but like, yeah, as a kid, the fucking Nike mags. Mm -hmm. yeah. that was the fucking blew my mind 
Like, well, usually that, when a movie predicts the future, you want to put a fucking gun in your mouth because I mean, yeah, you know, it's like Blade Runner, and, you know, like Children uh, of Men. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like oh, I don't want to be a part of this, but this you want to be a part of, you know, you yeah. want to hologram sharks and. I, so I, you're you're saying you're saying the future that we want to be a part of is the one that's furthest uh, from the actual uh, <laughs> yeah, the actual yeah. timeline was, we're on. That was six years ago. <laughs> yeah, we're we're talking we're talking uh, earlier right. about Demolition Man just being like dystopian, <laughs> like uh, under the surface, uh, uh, a clear non-utopia. Yeah. Everyone's divided. No one can touch each other. And then this this was just like. Uh, a very concerted effort just to have an optimistic view, like the opposite of Blade Runner. Just mm-hmm. like take take out the smoke machine and uh, give it give it a shine, give it a nice a nice warm palette. Well, they don't like. There's nothing too far off. The flying cars is always like the thing that in fucking future movies where it's like, guys, we're not going to get there. <laughs> I feel like like that's just never going to happen. Yeah. But we keep putting it in shit. But besides that, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this movie. That yeah, there, there's no logical way to have flying cars. It would be such a disaster. There would be cars dropping all the fucking time. Yeah, that's like, that's the thing because you would it essentially be like being in the ocean. You have a 360 degree radius of yeah movement, and you could no <laughs> you could never control that. And so that's a big part of this movie when like. Any scene, but especially when Doc is like, oh, the Skyway's jammed. I can't yeah. drive to that side of town. What the fuck are you talking about? Just go over there. Like, just, <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? You don't have to go down this one lane. Just go above it. Like, go below it. You you have full range yeah. of direction here. Yeah. Whenever people bring up flying cars, I'm always like, birds, dummy. Like, we would just constantly be hitting birds and <laughs> crashing into things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. the The opening of this movie had to be uh, <laughs> uh, just a, a nail in the coffin for the flying car industry because they mm-hmm. almost get like obliterated point blank by a taxi driver. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. there's just there's no safeguards in play. I think the only way you can do it is when they're all. Uh, it's not flying. It's all like linked up to a system. So you're like a pod that is freely moving mm-hmm. on like uh, a track like that. That's the future. For it would us. have to. Yes. It would be more like minority report. Exactly. Or like, like not like I flying cars to me. I'm just like, we're idiots. People are like, it'd be like everyone when you get on a fucking jet ski, like nobody knows how to drive a fucking jet ski. Well, we all get on them. We're like, ring, 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 going all over the fucking place. I'm like, that's flying cars. Just fucking jet skis of the sky. So I read an interview with John Bell, uh, who is the visual effects art director for this, and he said they basically didn't get a script. They like they had zero script. They just said it's 30 years in the future. Go make up some shit. And I I think the only thing they knew was that there was going to be a hoverboard. Uh, But yeah, they wanted wanted it to be colorful and optimistic. Uh, the biggest swing and a miss, uh, future wise had to be that, uh, Marty owns four fax machines in the movie. <laughs> and it's all, it's all the same, like dull fax ink, like where you'd see the perforated, uh-huh. like lines on the side. And apparently bell like, uh, was just like at the time faxes were kind of new and they were popular. So I just went with it. <laughs> That cracked me up. Uh, also, um, in the cafe eighties, 
uh, which I I thought was pretty prescient. Yeah. Uh, like that that is definitely like sort of uh, the nostalgia for the past and like having a shitty little cafe. It's like it's like a fifties cafe for us as kids mm-hmm. would be yes. for. Elijah Wood in that yeah. cafe and be like, oh, look, it's the 80s. Isn't this stupid? Like yeah. seeing uh seeing neon like, something like, cafe is like a poodle skirt. Yeah. 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 There's like two cafe fifties in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Not bad chili, uh, by the way. Uh but yeah, uh apparently in the cafe 80s, they had designed mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff for the in- interior that never actually made it to the screen. Uh, and one of the things was they had like separate themed tabletops and one was about the cold war. One was about baby on board. And the other one was princess Diana's wedding, which would be a rough booth to be at, to get that news. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't want to sit at the one in cafe nineties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, uh, one, of, I, I feel like one of the, uh, one of the longest standing images from this movie, besides the hoverboard, is that giant Jaws holographic image. Mm-hmm. And I found it fascinating that uh, when they sent it over to the CG department, that was just a first pass. That was their test. Like, they were going to scale the entire shark. They were going to make it clean. Uh, and the visual effect, Ken Ralston, who was the supervisor, was just like, oh, this looks all fucked up. I love it. Keep it. Change nothing. <laughs> so I like imagine. It, like, it looks good. Yeah. It looks great. But yeah, he liked that it was all like a little pixelated, uh-huh. and a little imperfect. Yeah. It and, seemed like it was sort of new to 2015. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. I thought that was pretty smart. And it, it worked on me, certainly as a child, seeing that and yes. thinking, oh my God, like it's, it's, it's outside. It's interactive. That's crazy. <laughs> Just the kind of what you were saying earlier, but just that initial walk around the town square it it mm-hmm. it melted my brain yeah. completely it although the movie whatever you have your your little things about it i remember when he walks out of the alley and you get as a viewer to see this future world and as hyped up as it was i remember when i was a kid and watching it this week it delivered. It still gave mm-hmm. me that same yeah. tingle of, oh my God, what if it was like this? And him just kind of walking around that town square uh, is so mind-blowing, but also not only from the perspective of, oh, he's seeing the future, mm-hmm. something that I think this movie does really well, but but you you don't really notice it until you really put your brain into it and think about it how the linear time works for Marty personally from his perspective. Mm-hmm. He traveled back in time a week ago, spent an entire week in the 50s, flew back, traveled back, fell asleep, woke up the next morning, and Doc was like, you have to come with me. So he is seeing this town square uh, a 60-year swing in a week. He just yeah. saw it for the first mm-hmm. time seven days ago, and now he's seeing it again in a totally new way six or seven days later, which is, which would be crazy. Yeah, yeah, you would you would have a breakdown probably. <laughs> You'd yeah. be like what? And then you would see it in completely different from your own reality when you go back and right. Biff's uh, mm-hmm. Donald Trump and uh, everything else. <clears throat> that would be crazy. I will say I I like this m- movie a lot, and I I we've talked about it before. I think it's the best trilogy ever made because again to go 
my earlier point, they never fucked with it. Like they, mm-hmm. and they didn't make a fourth. They didn't try and cash in again. Like, you know, cause you know, by the time you get to the fourth, like aliens, it's like Sigourney Weaver's dunking a basketball and it's just like, what the fuck is going on? You know, this is all <laughs> terrible, but I will say that this one is, is my, is the one I think least works the least, but it's the most fun. It's the most fun, like to just sit down and watch. But I think one, like Matt said, I think one is pretty much a perfect movie. Mm -hmm. And three is a very underrated movie. Three is really good. Yeah. I just think people don't really like Westerns anymore. And they, I don't think they liked Westerns at the time when it was coming out. But three is a fucking good movie. I need to go back and watch three because I remember not liking three. Yeah. But you're right. I don't think I, as a kid, I wasn't a big Western. Yeah. Westerns were dead at that point, but, but it's a, it's a much better movie than people remember. Mm -hmm. But this one, uh, to get critical for a second, my scene that makes me go, hmm, is right off the bat. Doc is a, a genius. Just leave Jennifer in the car. What yeah. are we doing? Yeah. Well, it's, did you read about why she's even in the movie? Or like Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Cause because they didn't think there was gonna be a sequel. Yeah. And so she was in the, you know, they just did it as a goof, like, you know, they're gonna go somewhere else. But <laughs> they're like, there's not gonna be a sequel. Uh this will never happen. So you know what, honey? Here, you can have one last minute of fame. <laughs> Hop in the car. It's a fun ending to that first movie. You're like, your yeah, kids yeah, are perfect. Get in the car. And you're like, oh, fuck. They're like, going in the future. And, it, and it introduces the line that all dads in the 80s and 90s then yes. proceeded to utilize any time my dad got in the car. And I said, <laughs> just anything like, dad, where are we going? What are we doing? What are we? And he would always glasses up, go where we're going. We don't need glasses down. <laughs> and then he would rip a bootleg. <laughs> and he would, and then he'd get on the highway, turn the window lock on, rip a bootleg, and then uh, tell me that don't tell your mom we watched a secular film. <laughs> Man, uh, yeah the the second movie is a lot of fun, and it's just because it's the uh, the one that you see the future. But I I know what you're getting to post. Uh, mm-hmm. Which it's is, like it's like that was so dumb to just leave her in an alley. Like, yeah, what, no, what yeah. Because yeah. what you does not- what does Doc do in the time where Marty? And that's something I noticed when I watched. It, I was like, wait a minute, where does he go? Where does he have to go? Because he does the little scanning thing, sees Marty Junior. Going into the cafe eighties, and then Doc says, "I'll be right back." Gets in the car, leaves. For what? And then he comes back and he's like, "What happened here? What 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 happened after these teens crashed into this building?" Wasn't he running interference of some sort? No, he's doing nothing. He's no, not he, 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 yeah. he, he goofed. He, so he goofed. leaves her. They leave. They leave a passed out woman in an alley. Yeah. He gets into this car, flies away to nowhere, comes back and is like, "What's going on?" Well, let's go get Jennifer, this woman that I we had room for her in the car. Uh, but yeah, she was unconscious. Just have her slumped o in the pass uh, out in the car. Yeah. Well, also, uh, as as he uh, as Doc says, she she was asking too many questions. This broad is talking too much. Uh, when, whenever I hear that yap yap yap, I do my little <laughs> Men in Black thing. I uh, put her to sleep and then just drop her off. Where I got to go to a men's rights rally. I'll be right. Back. <laughs> yeah. 
It's it's so it's so funny that like when uh, both uh, Zemeckis and the screenwriter Bob Gale were asked about it, they were just like, "Yeah, the worst the worst part about it was that Jennifer was in the car. Like we had to figure out how to get like uh, uh, we would have we would have never ended it that way because we would have just done a fresh adventure. But in the writing, they couldn't wrap their minds about like how to keep her in it. And so they're just like, oh, we wouldn't have had her anyway. Let's just drop it. Uh, just like immediately uh, nix her from the story. And there are avenues to do it. It's like, one, they're driving a 30-year-old car that has all sorts of uh, home appliances taped to it, you know, that probably doesn't have up-to-date registration. You know what I mean? Like, so the police could have been like, what's going on with this car? And then she's passed out. Like, they're there are ways to make this happen. You know, it's like, great Scott, the police got her, you know, I mean, the police did get her, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like a better sure. way of doing that than like knocking Matt said, <laughs> like Matt said, well, you can knock her out. That's what I'm saying. The police would look at this, be like, what's going on here. And then they have to go rescue her or whatever. But like Matt said, it just, he's like, I'm not in the movie for a minute. And here I am. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> or, or like a more fun thing would be like, drop her off in a different time you know mm-hmm. that, that you then go have to like even if it's like oh we're gonna try, take her back to the renaissance and then you don't see her for the whole movie and then she comes back and she's in renaissance garb it's like it's about time leave Fine. leave her yeah, in the, the car end. and have old biff when he goes to do what his whatever sure he yeah. like maybe he's like i don't want her in here drops her off in another time and then they yeah. have to figure out where she yeah, is where she is and yeah. then yeah. we have a we have another jump we can do great mm-hmm. sounds great yeah, we brainstormed also, for one minute and came up. <laughs> for we fixed it. But then we and went. those guys are billionaires. Yeah, yep. No, that's depressing. They really are. Uh, uh, I I don't want to say anything ill of Bob Zemeckis, um, mm-hmm. but based on this, he just like can't for a second have a woman be like in the main thrust of the story uh uh he apparently like uh lamented uh losing his wife who was one of those police officers uh at the time uh because he just like poured himself into work like lost his entire 20s and 30s uh to uh to being a workaholic uh, I did find an interview with him where he immediately corrects a woman. <laughs> she, uh, is uh, is uh, screen sharing available? Oh wait, here comes the. Uh, this is going to be great. No, this is the this is the four oh nine coming. Oh, this is the train coming. Yeah. Well, should we do it? I mean, well, we... that'll be a nice piece. Well, okay, all right, okay. It's a sound's not a problem. Um, <laughs> Orson Welles once said about directing that it was the biggest toy train set in the world. Mm-hmm. Does that have yeah, any reason? Yeah, she said it's the biggest electric train set a boy could have. Oh, well. <laughs> See, I'm... Orson Welles once said about it, <laughs> directing that it's the biggest electric train set a boy could have. Thank you. Well... She fucked up. Yeah, if you're going to quote somebody, quote it. Don't just be like, Orson Welles once said something or other, like, I don't know, fucking toy trains. You know, like... I mean, you should have that down, Pat. That's not that's not mansplaining. That's uh, do your fucking job, local reporter. I'm gonna take her side on this one. If I'm, yeah. if I'm just like, hey, this is this thing, this person. Well, actually, I'd be like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if on camera I punched you in the fucking face? 
Shut. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, but well, you know, I think. Well, it's it's not so much that he corrects her. Uh, he also like specifically says uh, it's a train set that a boy could have. Uh, yeah, well, that, this, there was a little this, stink on this boy. Is for a, sure. Yeah, there was a little stink. This isn't a unisex uh, yeah, like, toy come for on, kids. Come on, everybody, relax. What are we doing? Well, my scene that makes me go. Hmm. It- I have two small ones. The the first one is when uh, they go back into the past to the high school night, and Marty uh, or Biff gets knocked out, and then Marty steals the al- almanac from, like off his body. There's a guy who who just goes like, "I think he stole that guy's wallet." Yeah, and I was like, "You would know he was Biff." Was my thing. <laughs> yeah, of like, who, what do you mean that guy? Like Biff's like. The famous asshole in your school, like what mm-hmm. the fuck are you talking about? Uh, so that was my first one, and then my second <laughs> one is it's just the big at, at the end of the fucking movie. I'm like, why are you fucking reading this letter in the rain, fucking idiot? Like, get inside the goddamn car. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's so dumb. I, I don't understand it. Wow, it, re- it really frustrated me. When, when Strickland takes when Strickland takes the sports almanac from Biff, he thumbs through it. And he's like, I'm taking this yeah. with me. And then he goes back to his office to pour himself a drink. Do you think that had uh, the distraction outside that he keeps looking at and then he goes to investigate eventually, do you think had that not have happened, was he taking that magazine to his office to Jay down real quick? <laughs> yeah, that is, yeah, there's a weird beat there of like, we don't know what to do here. Yeah. Like he, he yeah. could have just thrown it away and done anything else, but he goes to his office, shuts the door, pours himself a drink, thumbs through ooh la la. And uh, ooh, la. yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I watched it and I was like, huh. Wait, does Marty switch the cover back onto the almanac? No, I think it's just a dust cover that was, that was uh, ironically covered in, in 2015 in a line that to, that haunts me to, this day from my childhood which is this this is interesting it has a dust cover before they had dust repellent paper this is a a professional salesperson with a storefront on the main (laughs) square saying uh, it has a dust cover before dust repellent paper dot 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 and if you're interested in dust here's a little number from the 80s a dust buster what future do you live in where Somehow that's your next move to try to get somebody to buy an antique. If you're interested in in action in just crap, if you're interested in garbage, <laughs> check this next thing out. <laughs> what a weird segue into selling a dustbuster. <laughs> that's. Really I feel funny. like that's anytime you've been. I've been into like a vintage shop of like weird tchotchkes. It's like who wants these things? <laughs> and they will be like, yeah, or you're in here. I don't know. <laughs> you're the weirdo who came in. <laughs> also, might, you might like the- weird stuff. The idea that a dustbuster is like in an antique shop, like a vintage thing, means that we've eliminated the need for them, yeah. and that's not really a conversation piece. You don't, you don't just like put that up on the wall. Like it's, it's a useless thing. Mm-hmm. It is the tw- is actual twenty fifteen technology closer to nineteen eighty four technology than nineteen eighty four technology was the nineteen fifty five technology. You know what I'm saying? Huh. So, like, 
the jump between 1985 and 1955, the technology they had was. Like, Are you talking in real real life? In, in real life. Yes. In real life. Yeah. And do you think? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like that's what I'm saying. It's more of a culture shock from like eighty from 2015 to 85 Marty than 85 Marty to 55 Marty. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Also, you learn about the history uh, while you're growing up in '85, and so you're you're aware of uh, the chasm. <laughs> yeah, you're not going into it blind. You think that if Marty had gotten away with the almanac, he would have bankrupted the entire country. Like there would have been no stopping any of his bets. Yeah, like he would have bankrupted Vegas, and then you know what I mean, like. I think we would have, he would have fucked it up and the government would have discovered time travel. You got, like, I, they, they would look into him and be like, what the fuck happened? And then he would just crack and be like, I got this book from the future. Uh, he would rat out, he would rat out Doc Brown in a second. Like yeah, you can fast. tell, you can tell he's kind of a weasel. Yeah, Doc, Doc Brown has the keys of the car though. He'd be fucking out of there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot him. Ta-ta, Marty. Shoot him down. You crossed the wrong well, man. I'm, try, I'm trying <laughs> to think of like a major upset. Like, like, uh, uh, cause it would only have been three years later. He could have bet on Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson. Something nobody had. He could have been like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like he could have built up a little nest egg or a little like bank and then put it all on Buster Douglas and like ruined so many lives. Because <laughs> what, what was the timeline on the on the book? It's, it's to 19, 2000. Right? 20, yeah, to 2000, 2000. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When did the Red Sox win? 2014. Yeah, after that. Yeah, 13, 14. Or no, it was like 2004 was the first time they won, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then, yeah. Well, I mean, we're we're talking about like what would happen with Marty, but I feel like Biff is what would happen, mm-hmm. uh, except like yeah. Marty isn't as morally bankrupt, so he probably uh, would have, you know, bet enough to be comfortable, enough to you know raise his wife and kids. But I, but uh, I think I, I I think I disagree with you a little bit, which is Marty seems way more like ah, let's do it, come on, you know what I mean? I see Matt shaking his mm-hmm. head. I think I got somebody agreeing with me. And he also in the in when he's talking about oh we're in the future, like doc yeah. doc tell me about my future, like I'm I'm rich, right? I'm gonna be yeah. a rock star. He seems like it would be no holds barred if Marty got yes. the power. He would get. He would get mm-hmm. real rich and probably turn into Biff. Yeah. Biff is a bad person, but I think had the wherewithal to be like, don't, don't, because he is even telling what other version of him, right? To like, don't fucking lose this, be responsible. I think the Biff that we see in the alt 85 had a little bit of like, I, I can't just fucking place every bet. I just got to place a few. And Marty, he stopped betting. Yeah, and, and Marty, Marty yeah. would have just fucking just. He, Marty's an addict. Let's just be honest. This guy's yeah. got. He's going into the eighties. He's got cokehead written all. He's going into Bright Lights, Big City, or whatever that movie that Michael mm-hmm. J. Fox also did. I hate to say it, this is a better character arc. And once again, <laughs> Zemeckis and Gale, we got you beat. We <laughs> we're just gonna keep writing your movie better, yeah. no matter what. That's really funny. Uh, uh, speaking of Strickland, uh, the principal, uh, my scene that made me go. Scenes that make you go. Huh. 
my scene uh, was actually when uh, we go to alternate 1985. The school has been burnt down, and uh, Marty goes up to his porch to grab the newspaper to see what's doing. And Strickland comes out and is just like, uh, so you're the motherfucker that's been stealing uh, my newspapers. Then proceeds to dodge a drive-by, <laughs> fire back, and like, who in their right mind is like, you know, I'm under constant siege uh, from these drive-by shootings. I am like firing just into the neighborhood in which I live indiscriminately, but like, What's really fucking getting to me <laughs> is someone is sneaking into <laughs> my yard at dawn, stealing my newspaper. And I just like, I don't know what's going on in the world. I like, I have, I have no, no line to culture. I don't know what's going on in sports, even though we're in like chaos. Is the chaos only, I guess we don't get this answer. I guess it's not really important, but is the chaos only, to Hill, Hilldale or whatever? Hill Valley. Yeah, Hill yeah, Valley. Yeah, I don't really... It, the movie's so insular yeah, in that sense. I guess it doesn't matter. It's, it's harder to tell. But the problem, like, rewatching it again, that was kind of disturbing, and the most realistic scene in the movie, is when Marty goes to his old house and sneaks in, the, the father freaks out and was, like, chasing him out. It's a, yeah. That, that guy goes really real. I'm like, yeah, that's fucked up if somebody, like, was in my house. And it's played for laughs, like, no, you don't understand. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I would fucking shoot that guy in the fucking face. Especially that neighborhood, sure, yeah. Yeah. But then the other thing that was problematic with it, I thought, I mean, we should do a segment called, like, 2020 Eyes or something like that. Uh, it's 2021, it, by the way. 20, well, we know what I mean. <laughs> uh, it skips here. <laughs> uh, is the fact that I could see them writing that scene and being like, all right, so he goes to his house. It's a real shithole. Yeah, it's all ghetto now. There's a black family living there. And you're like, do they have to be black to like get across that it's the ghetto? Like that was like yeah. your easiest, like that was so it was, like lazy to me. It was very lazy writing. Sure, yeah, I agree. I do hardly, appreci- there's no people of color in the whole fucking movie except for yeah. that. Oh, and, the cop and hologram uh, Mary Goldie Wilson the third. Yeah, Mary Goldie Wilson. Yeah, <laughs> that's where they're like, hey, we made him the mayor. Well, we can't be that racist. We can't. We I can't do love that, that original. I do love that original Goldie Wilson, but I agree more. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I just think that's a product of baby boomerism. I mean, you know, which yeah, these guys yeah, are yeah, these all these guys are so obsessed with the the fifties, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of Goldie Wilson, um, I where do you guys fall when it comes to uh, time travel paradoxes? Uh, do you do you uh, like a lot of movies just have like a um, if something occurs while time traveling, it is the way it is. There's no changing it. Whereas, like, Back to the Future posits that, like, in real time, you can switch things up. Because, like, if it is in the first way, Marty always went back and told Goldie that he's the mayor. Like, he's going to become the mayor. Yeah. He's like, yeah, that's a good idea. Mayor Goldie, that sounds good. Uh but like, but that, my question is, since things change based on time travel, he didn't always go back and tell him he was going to be the mayor. And so his trajectory would have changed. 
Yeah. That like he now like he now has verification that he should be the mayor. Was he how did he get to be a mayor in the first place based on that on that time logic? I, I think that did he just go harder in the direction of I mayor? Think, because if he would, then that would that would change his outcome entirely too. Maybe he would start as mayor and by that time already be like a governor. I've considered that in a way, and I think that that's what maybe Mayor Goldie Wilson the third indicates in the second movie is oh this is a legacy. They, mm-hmm. He went from yes. being one guy who I have a dream. I'm going to try to be mayor, and he just did it in Marty's timeline. To in this future, he like went harder in it, and now his descendants are also following in his like local political footsteps. Perhaps I don't know. Maybe yeah. where's where's original Mayor Goldie Wilson? If Biff is still around, because Biff is like 80, is the original Goldie Wilson, Goldie Wilson the first, is he like a senator or a retired? Like, did he keep going? I, yeah. Well, I think he's dead. Yeah, high stress job, like mayor. You're probably. Yeah. I don't know. I Biff has dead. had shit in his mouth at least three times. And he's <laughs> 80 years strong, old. Strong he's still immune polishing, system. Still polishing Griff's car. <laughs> I think if he was meant to be alive, we would have seen an old Mayor Wilson. Or yeah. But I think that it's kind of insinuated that he's dead. I'm just still confused of like. So if he, the reason they go to the future is because something's wrong with his kids in the future. And then like, that is Marty's going to go do some illegal activity with Biff. Riff. Right. But then they yeah. stop that from happening from happening. And, but I'm like, so then those people would change now, you know, when you go back. It's like, because like, I also didn't catch this. And I was like, oh, that is kind of disturbing. Well, they would change that from good? that moment. Is that what you mean? From that, I guess. I guess. Because like, you always, just, you always just draw the line. And then when the change happens, you go there. And then you draw some more line. I guess, I guess well, I guess if Ben Marty goes back to his original 1985 timeline and now just lives his life, those kids in that future are now different. Shouldn't they be? Or does he still have to become a shitty dad and like a shitty person to get to that so that they do get saved eventually? Yeah. Because if not, you would just be like, hey, Marty, don't raise your kids shitty. <laughs> All right. Bye. <laughs> yeah. That's the easiest way to, to, yeah, fucking, yeah. to stop be, all of this. Be, be like, present in their lives. and Be present. Hey, and when people call you chicken, don't be a fucking like, chicken. Yeah. 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 yeah chill Unbelievable. Out. Uh, yeah. In in that in that sense of how things, my uh, thing that made me go. Hmm. Make you go. Um, also dealing with the timeline. Okay, so 2015, Biff takes the DeLorean. Uh, a, a moment I had a hard time with when I was younger was how does he know how it works? Well, he has a time machine, so it could have taken him three days. He would have figured it out. He has all the time in the world. Yeah, but true. he gets in the car. He goes to 1955, hands the book to himself. As soon as he leaves, the future has changed. So when he goes mm-hmm. back yes. to 2015, instantaneously it should be the apocalypse 2015 like it shouldn't matter it should like as soon as that happens everything from that point into the future changes so griff shouldn't be old man in high pants he should be biffco uh biff 
in 2015 mm-hmm. by the logic of time, which again proves that it is an alternate dimension. And he says a line in there, which also proves my point about if they leave 1985, go to the future, and they're still there. It proves that when Biff, old Biff, sees the time machine in downtown Hill Valley, he says, he says, a flying DeLorean. I haven't seen one of those in, meaning he remembers 1985 Mm -hmm. seeing that happen. So it's the same timeline. Mm -hmm. There's just, I don't know, clone Marty McFly who grew up and grew older and hung out with the flea in the future. Well, I was disturbed by when he goes back because I didn't realize because, you know, he gets out of the car in 2015 after returning and he's like all sweaty and like shaking. He's dying. Yeah, that's like what has happened. Like he's just going to disappear, which because we never see him after that. Like that's kind of like Mm -hmm. the end of old Biff. And I was like, oh, shit, that's very disturbing. You went back in time to erase yourself. There's a deleted scene uh, where he does disappear, where he's outside of the car. And Einstein's barking at him, and they're like, Heidi, come on, get back in the car. And they go, and Biff is dying, and then he, like, falls over and starts doing the Dave disappearing, and he fades out, and then that cuts from there. Well, that's fucked up. I, that's yeah. fucked up. I had, I had this written down uh, as, like, what would you guys do? Would you change your past for the better, knowing that your consciousness would disappear completely like you're not you as you right now are not going to get the benefits of uh past you like becoming rich and famous you're you're going to cease to exist but an alternate timeline version of you will benefit would you be that selfless uh on behalf of yourself yeah because you wouldn't know that i mean you would in the very moment right before you disappear but after that, it's like, this is death, bro. This is what happens. Yeah. Like, you just yeah, kind of go away, and, and that's it. Uh, that said, <clears throat> he has the power to do whatever he wants. So before I give the book back to myself, I would be like, I want to see how those pyramids went up. I'd go check that out real, just a quick flyby, and then... Uh, yeah. Yeah, but if you ran out of gas or whatever it's... Uh, it's got Mr. Yeah, Fusion. Like you can throw some papyrus yeah. in there, an alligator's tail. Yeah. That thing's... Yeah. Right yeah, but you're, an, you're <laughs> no, ancient maybe. Egypt. You're, you're in ancient Egypt. You're going to be like looking around, and then somebody's going to be like, all right, you're making these pyramids now. You'd be like, ah, oh, shit. I feel like that's a bad choice, because I, I, I feel like it'd be way more boring than you would expect. Like, oh, how do the pyramids get built? And you're like, oh, they're just slowly... It would, shit on logs. it would all be sand so you wouldn't be yeah. able to like get traction to get 80 miles per hour you fly by one time and everybody in ancient egypt would be like we're building this pyramid yeah, you're God. for ramses the <laughs> second and raw yeah. and like, oh shit that's raw <laughs> this guy came from the sky <laughs> in a silver thing we're building him a pyramid now and yeah. instead what of a pyramid I... you tell him like i just need like a two mile flat surface track Mm-hmm. Uh, to get this thing up, <laughs> eighty-five. Let's do it. If I was Biff, I wouldn't do any of that time travel stuff. I would just like lock the door, pour myself a drink, give that ooh la la one last shuffle. Mouch. Nothing like a car jerk. Hey, Marty. Uh, I told. I, I live life to the fullest. As as Marty and 
Docker trying to get into the car, like beating on the door, like, let us in. Hits the automatic lock and they go down. (laughs) He's in there steaming up the windows. Hell yeah. Can we talk briefly? I I know that this has been talked to death uh, in the discourse of Back to the Future 2. Uh, obviously the recasting of both Crispin Glover and Claudia Wells, Claudia Wells, because her mother was ailing. And so she couldn't continue Crispin Glover, uh, because of a different reason. He, uh, it's not entirely clear, um, why he didn't do the picture. Some accounts say that, uh, he wanted script approval as well as a million dollars. Uh, he says, uh, that they offered him half of what his co-stars with similar sized roles were getting and that uh, uh, Wells and Zemeckis were just mad at him uh, because he said the end of the first movie should not have been a monetary gain for Marty. Like just winning a truck, getting a truck is not, uh, not as important as love. Um, So uh, he ended up suing uh, for misuse of likeness. Uh, SAG changed their scripts that's not what I want to talk about when I talk about Crispin Glover. Uh, Crispin Hellion Glover, born on 420, Ooh, uh, blaze yeah. it. Hell yeah. Uh, uh, we have a drop for uh, that? Uh, <laughs> we must stop the terror. No, that one didn't work. I don't I don't have a 420. By the way, we might as well but, get rid of that one drop. We didn't stop the terror either. mission accomplished now watch me crush this drive (laughs) uh but yeah he uh he played uh uh george mcfly marty mcfly's uh father despite the fact that he was three years younger than mj fox uh at the time of filming uh uh but he he did some great things uh for sag after act, uh, actors everywhere uh he also collects antique medical equipment uh his rumored possessions uh for this weirdo are a gynecological table a stuffed bird and an optometrist's wax replication of 12 eye disorders <laughs> he uh he also uh directed a 2005 surrealist film called what is it Mm -hmm. uh and the uh plot of which is the adventures in quotation marks of a young man with down syndrome whose principal interests are snails salt a pipe and how to get home who is tormented by a hubristic racist inner psyche and it's crazy it's in the marvel universe (laughs) (laughs) he's a uh uh, that tra- <laughs> the trailer for that movie is fucking insane. I've never watched it. I've never watched it. Yeah. Either. No interest. The tra- I watched the trailer and I was like, okay, I'm good. Like, uh, that's what you did with your summer. Uh, Glover, Glover is not married, uh, doesn't have kids uh, because of uh, his busy career, and he feels that he would be unfit to be a father. Uh, he did, uh, from 2001 to 2003, date Alexa Lauren, uh, who was Pet of the Month, uh, September 1999. Um, uh, he also created uh, some music. He's a musician. He released an album. Has anyone heard any of his music of the three of yes, you? Sir. I want to uh, say I, I have, but I don't know. 
occasionally we do a little thing called uh, a video rodeo. Um, I want to know how long uh, you all can uh, last through. So this. I think go ahead. So real quick though, I think we already know what's going to happen. It's never good music <laughs> when it's this type of person. It's and like, oh, and they all Yeah, they also make music. It's never like, oh, fuck, that's actually pretty good. Yeah. It's always just like, uh, yeah, like, uh, how long can you listen to this? But, so, yeah. Uh, uh, so, so go ahead. I'm going to, I'm going to start it. Uh, you guys just go ahead and tell me when you're out. on the ground I didn't make a sound then I turned around and I saw a clown had a frown stood on a mound started barking like a hound when I came to it I found he showed me something that was brown so we became great friends and late in life he got sick some soup but he got worse it asked for its purse it got it but it was empty so it cried a plenty i wondered what to do yeah i'm done you're done okay just it's not even bad it just sucks yeah by the way there's there's the uh that was the table probably right yeah yeah the the medical table (laughs) gynecologist uh, table uh that was clowny clown clown a track off of his album, The Big Problem Does Not Equal the Solution. The Solution Equals Let It Be, uh, of which the liner notes state, if you discover what the big problem is, you can call. And then he listed his actual phone number uh, to log your answer. Uh, as of uh, June 2007, the number has been disconnected. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> he he made a series of uh, appearances on David Letterman, uh, and uh, apparently ten people at the time of that airing had in fact called him and got it right. <laughs> and Letterman very dryly was like, "Oh, so I guess you got some sales then." <laughs> yeah, I think when you when you sue Universal Pictures and uh, settle out of court for like $700,000, you're like, well, I've got money to burn. <laughs> like, I'm going... That's I'm not that pa- much money, though. Like, 700 grand is not that much in the grand scheme of things. Especially in the grand scheme of Back to the Future 2 on the money that made. Sure. Like, yeah. Can we- I'm sure also Claudia Wells is like, can I have some money? Yeah. Instead yeah. of making clown, clown, clown. I also feel so bad because they were like the audience just didn't even realize it was a different actress because it had been so long. And they brought that smoke show Elizabeth Shue in. You know what I'm saying? Two things. And then they knocked her out. That's a real (laughs) Christian government. (laughs) 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 And then Doc made a trillion dollars making those things. You don't need the almanac, Marty. <laughs> <Just> the, <laughs> the womanizer. 
that I mean that's that is the name for it. That's definitely <laughs> like if you were going to have a good marketable name, yeah. uh, that's going that's going straight to market. Uh, what were you going to say, Matt? Oh, just that uh, Crispin Glover. That's a hell of a waste of a fantastic head of hair. Like he has. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he looks glorious in and in, in all of like the slick back he he can do anything what a shame what a damn shame also a shame uh that's the i read that that is elizabeth shoe is the third jennifer which is yes. crazy can you imagine at least the first one got some money out of it but or at least the second one got some money out of it. The first Jennifer mm-hmm. was originally cast opposite Eric Stoltz and was too tall for Marty. Right. And so this person, like, what a perfect example of how terrible this industry is that she missed yeah. out on this gigantic career boost because the person that we cast opposite you didn't work anymore. So not only did we cut him, we had to cut you too because you no longer work with the new star. Who, yeah. who was the first one? Um, who I don't knows? remember. Yeah. I, I think she did some she did some work, other things, but it's not somebody that we all recognize. I don't believe. No, no. I mean this this podcast very often talks about uh, the 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 trials and tribulations of being in show business, and it should be mentioned that Eric Stoltz. Uh, that's that's rough. That's tough to beat. I mean, because not not only are you not you're you're fired from a movie that made a ton of money you're fired from one of the most beloved movies of all time that like plays all the time right like that you the chances are like how do you even have cable because like it's going to be like you're just flipping channels it's going to be on just a constant reminder of like oh yeah and he's had an okay career but oh the original was fucking jan from the office Oh, really? Yeah. That's crazy. Well, that's crazy. And she went on to do yeah. All Right then, right? She went to do All yeah. Right, yeah. yeah, but still, that's that's a huge thing to, like... It's tough. That's a long wait, too. Yeah. I mean, but it's, like, also imagine being, like, 19 years old and being, like, fucking calling your parents, like, I made it on yeah, my fucking exactly, movie Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, my life yeah. is set. I'm going to be... Well, at the time, they didn't know it was going to be a hit, but it's a kicking yourself when you see it happening. It's, it's any time you yeah. see it. A, a commercial that airs every day and you're like oh i went in for that yeah the, those those progression those progressive your parents commercials i've gone in for so many of those and a couple of those jokes are mine and you see them and you're like huh that'd be nice you know what you brought up such a good point this has nothing to do with back to the future yeah <laughs> that's the next thing we need to talk to sag about this fucking improv and commercial a- acting yeah. fuck that oh yeah fuck it i'm done yep. nope I'm saying I'm saying what's written. Yeah. I'm not writing my shit for you. Yeah. yeah. That's done. G- Cuz we're in the middle of the SAG actor uh uh president uh elections, Race. Yeah. you know? And I really just want to be like what is they what do they do? Why am I voting? Cuz the money has gotten worse every every uh year. The money's gotten worse to get insurance it gets higher and higher yeah. every year and I'm just like what the fuck am I paying for? So, you know, Ryan Reynolds gets insurance. I was say, so Tom Cruise can do whatever he <clears throat> wants. I'd also like to audit. This will de- certainly get me more work in show business. <laughs> but it might be time to audit these the huge actors. Because what? Because yeah. if you look like Tom Cruise, what is the SAG do for Tom, dues for Tom Cruise? 
it tops out after like 500,000. So it's, and it's not that much compared to that. Oh, so you mean this industry that's full of people who think that rich people should be paying way more, like the richest people are like, yeah, vote for Bernie Sanders. I roll. You know what I mean? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like your own union protects you from such things. Yeah. It's a cool business and I'm glad I'm in it is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. There are no, yeah. there are no cool businesses. It's all crumbling. We're, we're, what, we're witnessing the end of an empire. But what if we go back? What if <laughs> just listen to me for just a damn minute? We go to the 50s. We try to do our best. We meet our parents, realize they're just like us, uh, and that we need to have more compassion for them. And while they're with her, we place a couple bets and we buy some <laughs> stock in Shell, Mobile, and Chevron. And uh, mm. you know, we change a couple of things uh, for the for the better. <laughs> not a bad plan not bad yeah. plan. just need a uh a fusion delorean, DeLorean. we need to steal some well radioactive materials from some known terrorists that took a lot of zigs and zags do we have any yeah. uh, anything else on the uh... just like back to the future too yeah i i do i do have one more thing to bring up uh in particular uh uh we always talk about uh goofs and spoofs mm -hmm. Uh, when it comes to directors accidentally letting people get injured. <laughs> uh -oh. This did make me laugh really hard. Go ahead. Yeah, say uh, it. Oh, did, did, did Landis come in and kill someone? On the <laughs> no. Just for fun? Uh, so Cheryl Wheeler Duncan, who was a stunt double for Darlene Vogel, uh, who was one of uh, Biff's... Um, uh, uh, Biff's gang members, actually the only female member of Biff's gang, Griff. uh, through, uh, sorry, uh, Griff, uh, through any, any timeline, uh, the stunt person was injured during film, the filming of the hoverboard sequence when due to a technical mishap, instead of flying through the fake glass in the courthouse, she careened into the concrete pillar <gasps> and then dropped 30 <gasps> feet onto the concrete below. Oof. And what she suffered. Yeah, go ahead. She suffered fractures to her face <gasps> arm and shoulder needed reconstructive surgery and they did not reshoot the scene. <laughs> you can clearly see her hitting the pillar and falling to the ground in the final film. No yeah. way. And, wow. and Bob Zemeckis said, we got it. Move it on. <laughs> we got it. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. That's the electric Let's... train set folks. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, to talk. <laughs> oh, I go was ahead. Just going to pause it. Um, Ironically, Lorraine Baines McFly, uh, the first in the first film, uh, that is my first crush ever, even as a child, not really knowing, obviously not having like sexual feelings or romantic feelings, but knowing like this is a person that within the small fear sphere of women in the world that I know, this is somebody who's totally different. And I have a crush on you. And that has remained. Mm -hmm. uh, I have friends that have been on shows that she has been on and every once in a while when I've gone to a party at their homes, I've said, if she is here, I'm going to mention. <laughs> oh, I feel like I'm going to make it happen. Yeah, like, this is it. Yeah. This is it. I know you uh, are married and you don't give a shit, but I'm at least going to be like, <laughs> hey, listen, I just need you to know yeah. you're my first crush ever. And ironically, Back to the Future 2, despite the fact that this, uh, the, the woman in, the, in Griff's crew 
is a real baddie who only until within the last decade or so, I realized she said, what's the matter, McFly? Got no scrote referring to his genitalia <laughs> and picks yeah. him up by his dick. Uh, I did yeah. not know even though that was happening. I had a crush on her too. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and I, I don't suppose you, uh, you have any kinks related to that, do you? <laughs> uh, uh, back to, back to Cheryl. Uh, uh, besides being a stunt person, uh, uh, she, uh, uh, she was a three-time WKA world kickboxing champion with a record of 17, one and one and a second degree black belt in Yushikai karate. Um, she was inducted into the black belt magazine's hall of fame as the 1996 woman of the year. Uh, she has doubled for many leading women, including, amongst others, Nicole Kidman, Cameron Diaz, Jennifer Gardner, Sharon Stone, Renee Russo, Kathleen Turner, and Goldie Hawn. Um, and then I was sad to find uh -oh. that there is a headline from February 12th, 2020, that goes a little something like this. Hollywood stuntwoman Cheryl Wheeler Sanders and her husband have died after a shootout outside the mansion of her ex-husband, celebrity nutritionist Liz Lindsay Duncan. Oh, wow. Yeah, it happened uh, in Yellow Springs, Ohio, hey, uh, which is near, near Dayton. That's where Dave Chappelle lives. Raise the roof. That is, it, it says in the article, that's where Dave Chappelle lives. <laughs> Uh, police responded uh, to gunfire, uh, and then they recovered three firearms at the scene and were seeking surveillance. Uh, Lindsey Duncan and his new wife have uh, come out and publicly described this as an ambush. They were coming home from breakfast, uh, stopped their car uh, outside the gate to get the mail, and a large man in a camouflage mask and hoodie appeared besides Molly, on the passenger side and pointed a gun about 10 inches from her head. All of a sudden hell began. I thought it was a bad nightmare. I didn't know what to do. What happened after that was instinct. So, uh, fortunately the nutritionist, uh, was packing. And so this guy in a mask pulls out his gun. He's like, I got one too, motherfucker, uh, <laughs> shoots, shoots him dead. At this point, Cheryl, who has, uh, has uh cameras set up is like uh has it like uh streaming into uh the car she's watching this all unfold she comes out guns a blazing another fucking a second gun battle uh breaks out bullets are flying everywhere uh and they kill Cheryl in cold blood as self defense uh, the police are still <laughs> were still investigating the matter. Uh, called it justifiable homicide, uh, and uh, and yeah. Where I'm, uh, am I the only one that's confused? I'm a little confused. Yeah. Was Cheryl Cheryl's okay. in the car who got stuck up? She's no. a part of the other gang sticking him up. She's part of the the bad so guys. Yeah, we're Cheryl Cheryl and her new husband. Ah. Uh we're going to scare Cheryl's old husband, a nutritionist, uh, a former Dr. Oz guest and self-styled celebrity nutritionist, 
who in 2014 was accused of peddling a dubious weight loss solution involving coffee beans. He had to... He had to pay $9 million to the Federal Trade wow. Commission to settle a lawsuit over deceptive claims that he was a doctor. So, uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Duncan yeah. uh, was uh, packing partially because several years earlier, he said that Cheryl had been trying to hire someone to kill him. Uh, 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 so, yeah, they ambushed her ex-husband and new wife and then got both got shot dead in a rain of bullets mm-hmm. and apparently all of this was over uh their uh, uh a disagreement about uh who should pay for their daughter's college tuition wow oh that's sad it is sad and that's why this has been sad time <laughs> With sad boy. I always say college is a bad idea. <laughs> this is what it leads to. Can you fucking believe that I was just like, oh, uh, the stunt woman got injured. I might as well Google her name. Well, but also that's fucking what the, the shootout. <laughs> but the college thing is what the alive guy says. It yeah. could have been something yeah. else. He's like, oh, I don't know. She wanted was hounding me about sending her to Dayton <laughs> University, which is like 10 yeah. grand a year. yeah seem dubious uh february 2020 i don't uh i haven't seen any updates so the case might be closed on this Mm. i suspect uh further foul play wow all right wow that's the curse of the curse of matt moore's crushes continues another one down Uh (laughs) her princess die who's next jeez louise (laughs) <laughs> Elizabeth Berkeley well, saved by the bell. Watch your back. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, yikes. Let's go to reviews. Roger Ebert gave this film three stars. Roger says, part two, for all of its craziness, lacks the genuine power of the original. The story of the 85 film has real heart to it. If McFly didn't travel from 1985 to 1955 and arrange for his parents to have their first date, he might not even exist. The time travel in that film involved his own emotional confrontation with his parents <laughs> as teenagers. Part two, on the other hand, is mostly just zaniness and screwball jokes. But on that level, it's fun. All right. I missed, uh, I zoned out for a second. How many stars did he give it? Three. Three, okay. Three of four. Again, we, we, so, we brought this up before, but... I feel like we're working on different scales here because movies, yeah. movies used yes. to be better. And now we're like, this movie's fucking great because I haven't seen anything worth watching in years. <laughs> and, and I just want to go back to 1989 being a great movie here for just mm-hmm. one second. You may. Um, the number one movie uh, by a long shot, it made a ton, was Batman, obviously. Uh, nice. Great picture. Saw it the Thursday before the Friday opening. One of the best nice. one of the best nights of my life. Went with my brother and his friends. Uh, then Indiana Jones, Last Crusade. Very good picture. Mm-hmm. Lethal Weapon Solid. 2. Very good. A lot of Two weeks Rain Man. <laughs> he yeah. was like 35. Uh, Rain Man. Eh, you know. But I just want to say like uh, number 23 of the highest grossing movies of that year 
Major League. Oh, yeah, yeah. A masterpiece. A masterpiece. One of the funniest movies of all time was Incredible. number 23. Um, to go down the list, number 31, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh. Yeah. Oof. Number 35, The Naked Gun. The first Take one. Take me back. Take me back to 89. Wow. Yep. I mean, these are movies wow. that people still quote and talk, and they didn't even crack the top 20. I've never even considered that ba- Bill and Ted's and Back to the Future 2 came out in the same year. Yeah. Yeah. So Bill and Ted's Two was a travel. summer movie, right? Yeah, uh, I believe so. I can look because I can click on Back it. Back to the Future 2 was a Thanksgiving weekend. Movie. You know what's weird? It's yeah. like, I don't, besides Batman, which I did see in the theater and this, like most of these are like uh, VHS. So it's like, like Weekend of Bernie's is on here, but I don't believe I saw the VHS. Yeah, I didn't see it in yeah. the theaters. I know what I saw in the theater looking at this list. See no evil, hear no evil. Yeah. <laughs> I should not have been oh, watching man. that movie as a nine year old. That was a great movie. <laughs> I just, That's it, really it's it. just an endless list of uh, watchable movies. And it, uh, this is this 1989 is a very influential year of movies, yeah. In my brain, yeah. I mean, U, UHF uh, is one, one, uh, 112th Blue Steel. I remember watching that movie, dude. I just, I just watched it two days ago. It's fucking great, it's a really good movie, but it got bad reviews because they were like, dude, it's 1989. There's a fucking masterpiece coming down the pike every other weekend, yeah. You know, Blind Fury. I remember that one with Rutger Hauer as a blind knife guy who was furious yeah <laughs> it's right there in the title <laughs> god there's some good ones yeah i don't i don't think we touched on it uh so i'm just gonna say this real quick because roger reminded me of it uh just saying like the immediacy of the first one just in that like he is going back and he has to save his uh parents uh marriage so that way he doesn't like dissolve did you guys read that the earliest draft of the of the second one this is just bob gale writing uh zemeckis is off doing who framed roger rabbit the original one was uh he went back in time again to 1967 just to see his parents be hippies and then once again distracts uh, them from each other. And so he's like, oh, no, it's the same exact movie. What do I do? Yeah. Agadelic, baby. So, yeah. yeah. I've seen yeah. that The movie. one thing I, I, <laughs> one thing I give these credit, this, this movie especially credit for, is not doing the as much nostalgia hopping as would yeah. happen now. Yeah. I think if you make this movie now, people are just like, we gotta go. See, uh, we're gonna see OJ. We're gonna see like, <laughs> like. <laughs> we got great Scott. We gotta save OJ. <laughs> we gotta save OJ. OJ, take off the glove. <laughs> so not not. We don't need to save uh, Nicole. No, Brown. Save OJ. We're saving. What do you mean, Doc? Don't we save Nicole? No, Marty. No, Marty. She was running around on him. Yeah, that was definitely the the Morty voice. <laughs> that was not Michael J. Fox. OJ killed everybody in that driveway. Let's just to hell with all this. OJ killed both them people. Everyone 
Amanda's a critic. Uh, we go to Amazon reviews, and our review this week is from B. Bonewell. <laughs> Hell <All right>. yeah. <laughs> B. Bonewell. One star. Too much nudity. Two naked women in a hot tub with a man. Naked paintings on the wall. Naked lady being looked at in a magazine with a close-up. The acting sucks. Super disappointed with this movie. Doesn't even come close to comparing to the first. The first one is incredible and clean. This should be rated PG-13 because of the nudity and language. Very disappointed. B. Bonewell also gave five stars to Gigabyte Wired Laser Gaming Mouse. B. Bonewell writes, five stars. I'm 6'5", skinny long hands. This has all the length I'm used to handling. <laughs> B-bone, great. B-bone. B-bone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm used to handling some length. Uh, also, but naked painting? Ironically, he That's... missed the one actual moment of nudity in this film, which is when Mart- Marty McFly Jr. is watching television and in one of the screens, there's some sort of an advertisement for, in the top right, it's like some sort of breast augmentation and it's like headlights. Uh-huh. And it, like you can see like at least an animated still of a naked woman topless, where in all of the other examples that he gave, there's no nudity. Like the painting, ooh la la, is, is at best a like a flirty <laughs> magazine. Yeah. How yeah, how weird. Hey, has anyone ever tried to track down that guy that was the extra in Teen Wolf that dropped his drawers? <laughs> no. That's think, a that's a script waiting to happen. Yeah, what do you think that guy's up to? He's, do you think he uh, start whenever he meets somebody, he's like, Hey, I'm the guy who fucking He's uh he's on the Supreme Court. That's Kavanaugh. <laughs> I don't know. That guy was pretty tall. I wonder if he has ever purchased uh, the five gigabyte mouse because <laughs> it's it's the length <laughs> that he is accustomed to. Uh he handles it. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, if you are uh, the guy who dropped drawers in Teen Wolf, contact us and uh, we'd love to have you on the podcast. And then there's the um, kid in Back to the Future 3 that we've always talked about that points at his dick. Oh, yeah. What is with the background of Michael J. Fox movies? <laughs> yeah, I think we should we should we should do a Doc, Ho- Doc Hollywood rewatch to see. <laughs> yeah. That's a good movie. PG-13, by the way. Ooh, that's another. That's a movie we movie. should do because I got to watch that movies. because it was PG thirteen, and yeah. there's two nude scenes in it. There's two two scenes of uh, boobies. Wow. Yeah, it's good. Yep. Yeah, not a bad picture. Uh, well, that's all of us. Uh, that's all we have for you as the Cable Boys. I gotta say, Matt Moore, Pop corner brother. You. Pop corner. Oh, all right, cut that out. Don't make me seem dumb. Oh, there's a hunk of chunk. To hippity poppity corner, pop corner, where there's popcorn, where two streets meet. Uh, this movie, I give this movie, uh, you're sitting on the couch uh, eating popcorn and you're watching a movie on cable and it 
goes to commercial and it's for uh, breast augmentation. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. I, I don't, I didn't know they did uh, commercials for these anymore. And behind you, some guy's just dropping his pants and just flapping his dick around. And then you look over and your son is like, I, I got to pee. And he's like pointing at his thing. You're like, oh, I'm like in a Michael J. Fox movie. That's it. Wow. I, I give this film a, you're, you're eating popcorn and, uh, and you take a big bite and unexpectedly uh, there's one kernel that is not popped and it breaks your fucking tooth. And uh, all of a sudden you flash forward in your mind and you're just like, uh, you see that uh, from now on you like, couldn't get a job because you're missing a tooth and uh, because you couldn't get a job, you couldn't afford it. And so like uh, to get the tooth fixed. And so you're, uh, you're just like living your life out as a bum uh, and uh, uh, life is terrible and you're upset and sad. Um, And then uh, an old man uh, comes up to you and he's just like, Hey, want to make your life better? (laughs) Hop into this car with me. And that's the last thing you ever saw. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give this a P.O.P. That's it. Cool. Cool. By the way, I know my review sounded negative, but I like this movie. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give this a, uh, a very small bag of kernels uh, that looks pathetic. And then I'm going to put it in the hydrator at level four. And it's going to come out a bustling, warm sack of slightly burned, but still delicious popping corns. Beautiful. Uh, a, a scene that only happened because there was already a Pizza Hut sponsorship in place. <laughs> they had to fucking crowbar in. I, uh... <laughs> it, it does serve up my favorite low one of my pizza. favorite lines in the entire film which is uh, mom who's going to eat all that and then you hear Marty McFly Jr. from the other room say just take the whole thing and shove it in my mouth Marty stop being a smart ass <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, one thing they nailed about the future is dads are still like hey knock it off yep. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, well well, I think we know what's for dinner over there. It worked. <laughs> uh, well, Matt Moore, you have been an absolute scholar in the history of the backlot. Uh, you have been funny. You have been poignant. You have been interesting to talk to. And I appreciate you as do the cable boys and the audience uh, for coming on the pod today. Thank you mm-hmm. so much, Matt. Moore. Uh, thank you for having me. Always fun to talk about the love, the love. Mariska Hagate. Mariska Hagate. Oh, yeah, you're great. Thanks, Matt. Thanks guys. Um, Thanks, buddy. Good seeing you. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. Uh, that's all we have for you today. Um, uh, if you don't already subscribe, Uh, Go to the places that you subscribe and follow us on Instagram. And while you're subscribing, go ahead and leave us a five-star review because God fucking damn it, that was a five-star episode. And if you don't think so, you can uh, start yapping your flapper (laughs) and I'll put you to sleep.
and throw you in the garbage. Yeah, come on. Leave us a five-star review, you chickens. Come on, McFly, you bojo. Leave a five-star review. This hoverboard doesn't work on water. Yeah, screw it up and uh, and leave a review. (laughs) All right, bye. Bye.